Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bobblehead Podcast. Um, once again, we're going through our changing of our name from uh, Access Points Podcast over to Bobble, Bobblehead. So you're going to be hearing more and more of that, if not exclusively here in the next uh, few podcasts. But today, we have a really fun podcast. Um, Davin's going to talk a lot about communication when it comes to change management. And that communication is communication of training. Um, training is so important about how we get people to where we need them to be, um, especially when it comes to change. And training is a huge part of that. So there's some good stuff, some uh, really good nuggets from Davin today. So uh, let's get started. Take it away. Hey, good morning, Tim. How are you? Good morning, sir. Doing well. It's uh, it's good to to see your smiling face again on a Tuesday morning. Wow, you've you're, you're desperate today. Yeah, if you feel I like that's in. good to see my face. You know, they they talk. And if any of our listeners are, are military on here, they they talk about this this stuff in the, the military called hunt the good stuff. Hunt the good stuff. Are, you, are stuff. you are you hunting for good stuff? <laughs> yeah, I, I am. If okay. I'm talking about seeing your smiling face on a Tuesday morning, I'm you're, clearly you're, hunting. You're hunting the good stuff. I think the word "desperately hunting" would probably be even more. <laughs> yeah, throwing some superlatives in there, but you know, man, I'm I'm super excited to talk about this little quick hit topic that is an extension of change management. Um, you know, for our listeners, is a, is a quick recap. We talked about, uh, you know, the need for change management and how we recognize that here at Access. And then we dove into, you know, basically the steps, the first four steps of execution, and that's uh, communication, engagement of stakeholders, defining the plan, and then measuring the plan. Right. And those are, are some of the executable steps that we use here to make sure that we are driving towards successful change management. Um you know, and, and we're, we're learning as we go with this kind of new format that is that, that we're talking about, that we're hinting about rolling out. Um, and after that episode, I realized there was a, a step that we left out, actually two, and we're going to cover, cover the last one and the next one, but um, it's the it, need. It, it fits well with change management, right? It really does. Yeah. You know, it's, it's constant flexibility, right? right? It's not getting target fixation on, on what we think is right, but it's, it's listening, refining, you know, continuously growing. And the topic today, quick hit topic, is uh, is training. Training, good. Near and dear to our heart here at Access, right? Yes, much more than it used to be for sure. Oh yeah, and I remember, you know, when I started shoot as the COO here three and a half years ago, it was, and one of the things that you had recognized that that we needed the most here at Access was was training, right? Um, and you know, especially, in, and it really training is a topic that I think is is highly tailored to the specific organization. You know, I think in the military. That's all we did was train, right? We, that was our life. If, if you weren't deployed, if you weren't in a combat environment, you were training to go to a combat environment. Right. And you, it was so interesting to be able to see it as you progressed through the levels of training in the military, not just the, the, the basic part, but once you got to your organization and the training you went through both individually and collectively and the difference between even squads, you know, at the lowest level, they would put a dedicated amount of training into their craft and the difference when it came time to execute on the battlefield, um, it was it was immeasurable. It was it was completely different. Um, and I think we saw that here is you know for a, for a lot of years at Access we did what we knew how to do, which is just we just did it because we were growing, we were scaling, we were trying to get this thing off the ground. But then we we kind of looked around and we knew that we were struggling in some areas, and it was identified due to lack of training. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you know, and that comes back to all of you that either own or run small businesses. Um, you know, the, the problem gets to be where you have limited resources and you have limited time. And, you know, the first question you're probably asking yourself as you're listening to this is when in the world do I even do this? Like, do I pull people out? Do I, how much productivity 
am I going to lose to train my people? And so when you're first starting out in business, you have your company, it's, it's, we've talked about this before, but it, it's literally survival and very little of survivability um, gives time available for training. And, uh, but however, you know, it's, it's so important and we're going to talk about it, but it's so important so that you're able to train towards those expectations that you have. Uh, but man, it's for those of you listening, it, it's hard, especially when you're small, it's super hard as you grow, it becomes a little bit easier, but it's, um, it's, it's, it's an issue. Yeah. It's understanding the opportunity cost, right? It's right. just because you've decided to start training your people on a given task doesn't mean that all of a sudden you've got more than 40 hours in a work week right or more than 24 hours in a day right and you have to be able to understand and, and this is we're going to get to this why it has to be meaningful in the communication right. of what this this training impact and what it's going to be on not just the individual but the team and the collective organization because there's something that they're not going to be able to do because they're training right. to be able to do their job right. right it's 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 not free and i think a lot of people um that are first kind of getting into this realm of, of knowing that their team needs to train to be able to scale is they fail to recognize that. Right. And they, they try to make it, you know, do this on nights, do this on weekends, do this on something. And, and, and if you want to <laughs> make a team naturally push back or make yeah. an individual naturally push back on training or something like that quicker, just, just tell them that they need to do it during their quote unquote off time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and even though that, you know, you feel like that's important to them. They don't understand how important that training is because to with, for them, they're meeting expectations or they're doing everything the way that should be done. Um, and so when you mention that, the first thought in their mind is going to be a little bit defensive. And then also when you push it outside of normal hours or, you know, even lunch and learns can be a little bit, you know, trigger happy about, you know, with some people, uh, but it, it is difficult. And um, people's first reaction to it is usually not a positive one. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and that's why step step one for this, I don't think is terribly dissimilar to overall change management, and that's communication. Right. You have to work with your subordinate leadership um, to make sure they work with their people to be able to communicate what the training is, what it means, and the difference that it's going to make. The why behind it. The right? why. Yeah, and, and don't have that, you know, bias that they're naturally going to get it. Right. Because, you know, again, people tend to be a little bit defensive. They, we naturally believe that we're better than our jobs at our jobs than we are. Sure. Right. That, that's, that's just the way that we operate as humans. And so when somebody comes in and says, you know, Davin, you've been here for three and a half years. Um, I'm going to offer you some training on how to be a COO. Right. That, I, I'm not predisposed to naturally be like, Hey, that's awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Thanks for telling me how, many, how I can right. do my job better. Right. <laughs> right. I'm always going to be defensive about that. But if you work with them and communicate the difference that it's going to make, then people tend to buy in it quicker. Right. Yeah. And, and so, and, and let's talk just real quick about maybe some things we've done when we talk about communication, some communication that's worked for us as far as how do you do that? So it's one thing to say communicate. So let's talk a little bit about how that communication works and give us maybe a couple of good examples of maybe communicating to a department or subordinate leadership um, in maybe a couple of different ways. Cause like you mentioned earlier, you know, it's not the same for everybody. Right. It's not the same when, when you communicate, it's not the same type of communication that you would give to the whole company. So if you, if you've got a company more than five people, sometimes you've probably sent out memos and said, Hey, here's, 
you know, here's some things we're going to do different or here's a new policy or whatever. That's not really what you're talking about. Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's how to get better at your job and let's use a couple of different stories. And, and one I think is quote unquote front stage and one is, you know, backstage as we call it here at access. And, uh, I hadn't been here that long and we knew that one of the things that we needed to do was a train, but B we needed a, a bit of a pricing overhaul. Right. We knew that, that, that per or for our solutions, we, we were below what the market would really right. be, be willing to pay. It was for. undervalued. Right. It was. And so we brought the sales team in and I think what Tim, this was like September, October of, of 2019 when I first started 2018, when I first started and I went through this, you know, kind of process, I, I, the, the 1% difference. And it's based right. off of a really good book that discusses, um, you know, profitability and, and how top line has a bigger impact on bottom line that people give credit to. And we brought the sales team in and I didn't really communicate exactly what this was going to be with them. As part of man said, Hey, here's what it is. I challenged some of the notions that they had. We went through this training and at the end we stopped and they just kind of looked at me like wide eyed, like what the hell, did, <laughs> what was that? So you're telling me what I, just, I, just, I just need to, what just happened and why, right? I yeah. need, I need to, I need to charge more money. Um, and it didn't resonate like it could have, like it should have, like it did later on once we kind of tailored our approach to it. But, I mean, the initial thing is how am I, how in the world am I going to tell my customers? It's hard enough to sell it as it is. Right. Yeah. And, and I'm not a sales guy. Right. Right. I'm, I'm the guy that's in charge of the bottom line. Right. And so I don't speak that language and I failed to communicate the impact that this could have for them. I just basically told them you're doing it wrong. Right. Right. And so, you know, we ended up changing the pricing and we ended up going that route, but the sales reps didn't really walk away with a true understanding of how we, they could get better at it. Right. right. And then I think an, an example of how we did it right was with our, you know, I guess, testing and training on the environments prior to launch for the professional services team. Right. You know, what we did then is, is uh, Rob was with us. Then we pulled in Rob and Mark Godberson. Mm -hmm. We're like, Hey, so here, here's some of the challenges that we're having. And we asked them like, when you guys are testing to go live, like what are some of the issues that you're having? And they told us that it was, you know, basically the nuances of the configuration of the respective environments, right? right? They're all a little bit different. And so we're like, well, what if we, you know, set up some sandboxes and allowed you guys to play through some scenarios that would serve as an impedance to, to go live? They're like, man, that's awesome. So then we're like, okay, so let's come up with some doctrine. We work together to come up with some doctrine uh, for the company to train, to train against, right? Mm -hmm. And we did. And that was communicated well. We executed on it well. And what we saw as a result is that training had a massive impact on our ability, positive impact to get customers live in accordance with the schedule. Right. So I think that's two examples of one, how we accounted for the type of personalities we were working with, with the professional services team, engaged them in the process, articulated how this training is going to help make their lives easier. And we followed through on it. Right. And then the first one is, is just a, a, a sledgehammer named Davin Marceau when it, what was needed was a scalpel. It, it's the difference between pulling and pushing. Yeah, right? absolutely. It's, it's, um, you know, it, it, boy, it's, and it's hard when, when it's your company or you're in leadership, uh, you know, the last thing you want to do is, is go through a whole iteration of, you know, trying to get them to understand the why behind it. When you have, when in your mind you have the answer and they just need to do things the way you tell them to do it and it'll just work. But, um, you know, I'm not saying that won't work, but long-term it's not a good strategy. And so I, I love what you talked about in those two examples. And one is I, I'm going to give you something that you're not asking for. 
And by the way, this may make your life more difficult. Mm-hmm. And the second one is, hey, tell me what's bugging you. Tell me what's hindering you. Tell me what issues you have. When the reality is you already know what those are. But in asking them, it, it brings it to the forefront of their mind of, yeah, we really need to get that resolved. And then asking the question, hey, what if we did this? Would you think that would help? And usually it's, it's, it's the difference between them pulling then than pushing, hey, because you have those issues, we've come up with a plan. And it's just a difference of, you know, it's, it comes back to mindset. You're, you're, you're helping them determine their mindset walking into the training in the right way so that they're asking for what you're giving them rather than listening for what they're expected to do, which goes back to, you know, it goes back to training times. You know, it's funny if, if you were to say in the second scenario of they're, at, they're asking for this, we really need this. If you ask them to stay a little bit after hours, in order to do that, because it was their idea, they'd probably do it. If you were going to push it on them and say, stay after hours, they're going to come in with a completely different mindset and not going to pick up on it. So it, it just, it's, it's a difference between pulling and pushing. Yeah. And I think we saw that scenario play itself out with, with the training with the professional services team yep. is they, they put a lot of extra hours into that. They did. And, and that extends well past training and into the other domains of, of your business is that if you empower them and, and let them do what they love, then they're going to naturally put in the extra time. But if not, right. It's going to be the whole mandatory fund. I'm doing this because the boss said that I right. had to do it. And it's, and you know, they've got issues and you helping them with solving those makes their life easier, but also makes them better. And, and, and we've talked about this in the other podcast, but Davin, I think you and I have seen it really, really, um, we, we've seen it play out over the last two years. People really want to be better. Mm-hmm. They really want to be better. They, they want to do their job better. They want to be better people. They want to be better at home for their spouses, their significant others, their friends, their family. They really want to be better. They just don't know how. I mean, we're the same way, but um, it, it's all the way, it's, it's all in the way that you address it. And um, which goes back to communication. Yeah. And, and I think people crave training because, because what you're talking about, we want to get better. We naturally want to get better. And that's why we read books. That's why we listen to podcasts. That's why we, you know, engage with mentors because we naturally want to get better. And this is just a way inside of your business to help them be able to, to, to get there is to give them meaningful, impactful training. Right. Um, and, and that's kind of lends itself to another point is, you know, don't waste their time with the small nitnoid stuff. Right. Right. When you recall back to the opportunity cost and it's natural, um, you know, heightened stance when it comes to training is, and we've done this before too, with, with some of that, you know, leadership, you know, kind of, emotional intelligence based stuff that we did online. And, you know, it, it's, again, you're talking about, you're pushing it on them, but if, if you can, again, help them see how this bit of training is going to make them better at the product, it's going to make them better at service is going to make them better at support or whatever their area happens to be, then they're going to love it and they're going to crave it and they're going to grasp it. And, and really ultimately it's going to codify the fact that Training is is where the rubber meets the road between doctor and execution. Yeah, and and think about this. Think about if if you're um, if you're in sales or your organization sells, whether it's services or products or whatever it is. Think about you know when you go out to make a presentation, one of the first things you're going to do is who is it we're making the presentation to? You know, it's kind of the whole thing of read your audience. Is you know what what is this person like? What are they looking for? What is it they're trying to you know what is the problem they're trying to solve? And you're going to wrap your presentation around knowing what that situation is, who those people are. So it goes back to what we talked about earlier is know your audience, know who you're talking to. And that's, you know, we, 
I know we keep talking about it on this thing, but um, you know, knowing the Colby's and Clifton's of the people that you're addressing, how do I address this so that they'll be able to wrap their minds around it? If you've got a bunch of quick starts, then that's going to be really easy. Hey, here's the problem. Here's what we're going to do to solve it. And what ideas do you guys have of how we're going to do this? Right. They love it, but you get someone that's not, that's high fact finder, then boy, you've really got to show that you've done your research. Um, they have to know that there's credibility there behind that before they'll listen. So knowing what, who your audience is, is important too, which is kind of what we talked about earlier of, you know, you have to know from each department to department, the communication is going to be different. The way you would approach sales is going to be very different the way you approach support. Well, and I think the good thing about that is that, you know, these are Colby's and Clifton's, they tend to cluster together in respective departments. Right. They do. You know, you talk about your, your, your sales reps tend to be high quick starts, right? And so you can tailor your training to two, three, 20 quick starts in a way that's completely different. Like our professional services folks, they're generally you know, cookie cutter eight, eight, three, two in terms, in terms right. of their Colby scores. Right. And so you're going to communicate the training and execute the training and follow up on the training considerably different with them than you are with, 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 with the quick starts. And so again, you know, to your point, it comes down to knowing your people. Yeah. Um, you know, and wrapping this thing up, I know we've only got a couple of minutes left. Um, you know, a lot of business leaders that are listening to this podcast, they, they don't train because they don't think they need it or they're not to a point yet where they, they think that they need it, but they're getting close. And so, you know, what's a good place to start? You know, where do you think a good place to start with training is Tim? You know, I, I think it, we mentioned it earlier. I think that the place to start is really finding out, you know, wh where the biggest issues are and then asking the people in that department or that area if what they think the biggest issues are, right? And that is if if they're in agreement that this needs to be resolved or we need to be better at this, then man, if, once you get to that point, that's 60% of the battle in training is once everybody understands and agrees that this is something we need to do, um, this is an area we need to get better at, then man, the rest of it's honestly a lot easier. Yeah. And, and it's generally going to be, you know, the most impactful areas relative to revenue generated, right? right is, is where you're going to want to train the most. And I love that. And I think the, the second part to that would be to establish an onboarding training system. Now, right. if you don't have one in place, get one in place now, because what's inevitable inside of a company is, is churn. People are going to come, people are going to leave. Right. So lay the foundation now to where, every person that you bring on inside your company goes through those two hours or 10 hours or whatever it is of onboarding, how to do your job initially, what the company culture is like, train to Colby's and Clifton's if you have it. And that way you're laying the foundation for training across the company. No matter what department you go to, there's going to be X amount of time carved out per week. And we do that now right. to train, right? right. And it could be over a lunch alert. It can mm -hmm. be over a collective group call to, to go over a customer issue. Um, you know, there's, there's lots of different ways that you can do it without having it be a multiple choice test. Right. Right. And you know, that onboarding training is so important if nothing else. And boy, I've sure learned this the last three years. And you, you talked about, even with Todd, you can do a four before. And for those of you that don't know what that is, it's really setting up expectations mm -hmm. for the way you work, the way you expect them to work with you and what you expect out of them. And, you know, it, when you talk about training new people, I, I really believe that training to expect to your expectations is the most important thing you can do. Second is skills in doing the actual job. Um, you know, we, we've talked so many times about how many people we've lost because they didn't really understand what our expectations were. And because they didn't meet them, um, 
they were let go, fired, left because they were frustrated, whatever the case might be. And boy, just a, just a little bit of training to set expectations would have gone a long way. People typically, not always, typically want to do, they want to meet expectations. They want to do a good job and they want to make you happy. And they can't do that if you don't communicate what that is. You know, it makes me wonder of those people that left due to that poor communication, if we were to onboard and train them now, the way we do now, instead of three years ago, how many, how many of them would still be here? There'd be a percentage, double digits for sure. Yeah. Um, we, we actually talked about, talk about was Dan Sullivan in, a, in one of his classes one time. And, and uh, you know, he, he asked everybody to raise, there's probably 60 people in the room. Said, raise your hand. Uh, those of you that have, you know, that have fired someone or let somebody go, everybody raises their hand. You know, of those people that you let go, think about how many of them did you sit down with and set up really clear expectations for what you expect out of them? There's like 60 people in the room, not one hand went up. You know, how many of you guys have let someone go because you know for sure that they weren't bad? You just didn't set the right expectations for what you wanted of them. Everybody's hand went up. Now, how many of you guys feel guilty about that? And everybody was like, yeah, we all do. But it's okay. It's natural. You didn't know, right? It's, it's hard to meet an expectation that, you know, you didn't know that was the expectation. And it's the same with your people. Yeah. It starts and ends with leadership. It does. It yeah. does. And, and that's, you know, letting people, communicating with them why the training is important, you know, getting the buy-in from them is important, but also setting expectations for what this is about and what we hope to get out of this and what we hope to, um, what do we hope the result of this is going to be? Is this is where we want to get to? Yep, it's super important. So and then, it goes back to communication. Yeah, and then follow up relentlessly, right? Don't say it if you're not going to do it. Yeah, I'm great at that. Yeah, right. That's that. That I'm so good at that. You're lucky you have me. That may be literally the sole factor that got me a job here at Access. So thank you <laughs> for being the way that you are. So so bad at follow up. <laughs> thank you for job security because I suck at that. Oh man, I think that's a good place to wrap this up. Yeah, I, I think I, so too. I enjoyed that one. Communication super important. Yes, sir. Thanks, Devin. All right, talk soon.